Ready to dive into the word of God? Come on, me too, me too. Uh, Honored to be on the teaching team here at Shine. My name is Joshua. My bride, Laura, is over here. And uh, our four nuggets are in Children's Church. Um, If I haven't met you or had the pleasure of meeting you yet, uh, we look forward to getting to know you guys. Uh, But honored to join this team and be on the, the teaching team here at Shine. We are going to dive into the topic of... Well, first of all, this whole year, come with me, right? This whole year as we started 2023, um, the theme on our hearts, the theme of where ultimately the Lord, the Holy Spirit has been drawing us as a church into is this, is this idea of come with me. Uh, Jesus asking us, giving us the invitation, will you come with me? And even this, this almost command, come with me. Like, you need this. You need to come with me. This is, uh, right, there's always, a, there's always a question, but there's always a, no, you need this, you need to, you need to respond to this. Uh, and so we've been, going, we've been going for four or five weeks here now, on specifically on this topic. Um, Dan started us off uh, preaching against idols, and we, we wrestled out that topic. What are the idols that God's going after, that God's tearing down, uh, that he's asking us to tear down as we follow Jesus? Um, that second time, the second week, um, knowing God intimately, Justin was preaching on uh, just the intimacy with God, like the, the main thing. If there was one thing, uh, this is what Jesus paid for, was intimacy with God. This relationship to know God intimately, to have that relationship with him. So we're going down this road, coming with Jesus, eradicating idols, getting to know God on a deeper level. Uh, believing the true gospel, Steve Cuss uh, preached on anxi- anxiety, but really his message was like, what gospel are you believing? Um, was kind of the core of, of everything he was teaching. And it was uh, on anxiety and depression. But ultimately what he preached uh, with us was, hey, is the gospel the real gospel in your heart? And what are you believing? Um, uh, Pastor Mark walked us through Ephesians on walking with Jesus, what it looks like, different aspects of walking with Jesus. Um, and then DJ last week, um, taking us to the wilderness, the wilderness in Hosea, Hosea chapter two where our, our Jesus, where God preaches this message through his prophet Hosea. Um, I'm drawing you back. I'm winning you back to myself in a repentant way because you've wandered from me. You've been, uh, you've been unfaithful to me. You've been unfaithful to me in a lot of different ways. And I'm winning you back to myself by my love. I'm drawing you into this wilderness, this place of testing, this place of trial, this place of, of you and me alone together in the wilderness and I'm going to restore your heart. And I'm going to give you back what I wanted to give you, which is intimacy with me, which leads to the prosperity of the soul. And uh, DJ just took us there in the most beautiful way um, through the wilderness, right? So we're coming with Jesus and he's going to lead us down a lot of different paths, down a lot of different places um, to ultimately arrive us to what we just got done singing about Oh, the depths of his love, the depths of his love, the depths of the gospel, the freedom that we find only in intimacy with him. Um, tonight, we're actually going to kind of do a little precursor and a, um, a prep for Lent. How many of you guys know what Lent is? All right, how many of you ever heard of Lent? All right, I'm gonna pass around a mic. We love to be interactive here at Shine. Uh, tell me one of these three things. What is Lent? why Lent, what, what, like, why do we do Lent? What, where does it even come from? So what is it? Maybe why, why do we do it? Or what experience have you had during a season of Lent in your own life? 
What experience have you had uh, maybe that brought you closer to the Lord or uh, whatever it was? Maybe even a negative experience, I don't know. <laughs> some experience during Lent. One of those three things, why Lent, what is Lent, or some experience I had during Lent. Uh, anybody want to share any of those things before we dive in here? We have a hand up over here? Oh, yeah. Um, the first thought that came to my mind was growing up Catholic and putting ash on my forehead. There you go. There we go. We're going to talk about that tonight. Awesome. Putting ash on your forehead as a little kid. That's exciting. <laughs> Other thoughts about Lent. What is Lent? Or what was your experience with it? Yeah, I grew up Catholic too and uh, did the Ash Wednesday thing. And uh, we were supposed to give up things as kids. And um, it was always really a big thing if you give up candy for 40 days. Wow, so that was like huge for, yes. for me. <laughs> and awesome. then fish fries were always like the thing for Lent. <laughs> you would eat fish fries during Lent? Or you give them up on Friday nights. On Friday nights. Yeah. Okay. I was checking. Awesome. Awesome. Fish and fries for some people. That's awesome. Any other experiences? What is Lent? Why do we do Lent? Or an experience that you've had with Lent? Hi, Stefan. Uh, Lent represents the conclusion of Jesus spending 40 days in the desert resisting temptation. Yeah. Yes. That's what Lent is. Amen. Amen. That's what Lent commemorates and, and brings us into. Actually, on that note, any other thoughts? But I'll transition from there. Okay. No more wild experiences in Lent with ashes or fish. Um, that's ultimately it. That's ultimately it. Lent is um, a practice, a common Christian practice, where we uh, commemorate, where we remember Jesus's walk through the wilderness. Ultimately, right after Jesus was baptized and, and God spoke these words over him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then those words were tested and the Holy Spirit drew Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days. And he fasted. He didn't eat any food. He didn't eat any food. We don't have any indication that he didn't drink water necessarily in the gospels uh, like Moses did, but uh, 40 days in the wilderness with no food. And we commemorate that time, this time that Jesus went into the wilderness and then he was tested and tempted by the devil, which tested again the word of God. And Jesus's only response was the word of God. Um, so he passed this test and then he got to start in his earthly ministry. Uh, so we remember that time uh, as, as Christians, it has been often practiced this practice of Lent, which is 40 days. The word Lent, um, literally from the Latin, just means 40th, just means 40, 40th. Um, it's 40 days because Jesus took 40 days in the wilderness. Um, but also it starts on Ash Wednesday. We talked about ashes on our foreheads, and it is common practice that Christians would often uh, wipe, put ashes on their head in some form, um, symbolic of the ashes that people would put on their heads in the Old Testament specifically uh, during seasons of mourning, seasons of mourning and weeping, sorry for their sins or mourning the death of somebody uh, often led to somebody putting ash on their head, sackcloth on their bodies, living in a state of, of deep sadness and mourning um, and, and repentance. Oftentimes it was, it was resembling in the Old Testament repentance when people would say, God, I need my heart to be humbled. I need to be humbled. I need to be contrite before you. I need to be lowered. I need to acknowledge my position before you and that I've sinned or I've messed up. And they would put on sackcloth. They would put ashes on their head. They would sometimes rip their clothes, sit in the street and fast. They wouldn't eat anything. 
Um, well, we commemorate this time that Jesus had a fasting season in the wilderness through Lent, which is this, for us, it becomes this consecration. I'm going to look at this word tonight, consecration. Um, consecration is mentioned 274 times in the Bible. I don't know that you could think of any other word or topic mentioned that many times in the Bible. Um, there's not many that come to mind off the top of my head. But the word consecration means to set yourself apart to, to wholly dedicate yourself or become devoted to, to be made holy, to be completely purified. On this, on this moment, in this, uh, in this part of our Come With Me series, I want to talk about consecration. And, and we as a church are going to um, practice Lent together. We're going to fast together, um, be it obviously the Holy Spirit allowing you to, to participate with us and leading you into this with us. We want to fast for these 40 days. Um, and specifically, more than fasting, we want to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. I want to talk about consecration. Consecration, where we're setting ourselves apart. And, I, and when it comes to fasting, so Jesus fasted, right, in the wilderness for 40 days. Um, I want to talk about the aspect of that really quick. Um, fasting specifically in the Greek and the Hebrew means to close your mouth, means to abstain from food. That's all it literally translates in the Greek and in Hebrew, close mouth or abstain from food. So if you're going to fast, if you're going to fast, uh, you're not eating any food. That's what fasting means. Or sometimes not eating any food or water or drinking any water. We see a lot of those kinds of fasts. Even when it comes to 40 days, we see Moses fasting 40 days twice. We see, um, Elijah fasting 40 days. Um, this number 40 comes up a lot of times. The significance of the number 40. I have literally uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I have a lot of times that the number 40 comes up in the gospel. So you're like, why do we do 40 days? Why did Jesus do 40 days? Why did Moses do 40 days? Why did Elijah do 40 days? Why was Noah out to, out to sea for 40 days? Why did Goliath taunt David for 40 days? There's this theme of 40 that's really weirdly woven throughout all of the scriptures. Um, and, and the 40, I don't know specifically of any kind of like, man, this is why the number 40, this is what it necessarily means. But in any of those topics where there was, where there was 40 days, it was always a season of trial, testing, cleansing, purification, judgment, or preparation. In any of those topics, it's always a form of trial testing, cleansing, purification, judgment, or preparation. And I would pay attention to the different themes in the Bible because God is a poet. He really is. And he keeps these themes. Some of these, these things that we see over and over and over again in scriptures, something to pay attention to. Well, a lot of people fasted 40 days and fasting means not to, like I already said, not to eat food or, or drink water. There's two types of fast we see in the, in the Bible. One with no food, one with no food and no water. We see that in Ezra, we see it in Esther, uh, Esther told all her people, don't eat or drink anything for three days. Um, that's fasting. It's, uh, it's a place of humbling yourself. It's a place of mourning sin or death. Um, it's a place to, to literally arrest your heart uh, to become more in tune with in your spirit who God is and his love for you and maybe where you have missed that, that element of his heart. Uh, fasting. Consecration is different. Fasting literally means that. 
in Daniel, you see Daniel a couple different times, 21 days, 10 days, going without different types of food. Uh, personally, I, I don't believe the word, Dan, the word fast ever comes up in the book of Daniel. I don't believe it's a fast. Um, I believe it's a consecration. When Daniel says, I will not eat the king's meat, I will not do these things that by birth, right? Because the Jews would only eat clean, right? There was a specific way that Jews were supposed to eat and he would consecrate himself. Daniel and his friends would say, we're not gonna eat, we're not gonna participate in the things that are unclean because we want our hearts to align with God. We want our hearts to stay close to the Lord. And so Daniel would do these consecrations. We see him doing a 10 day consecration where his men ended up healthier than any of the other men. We see him doing 21 days of of consecration and, and prayer where an angel was held up. Really cool story in the book of Daniel if you wanna study it. But fasting and consecration are different things. You can do them together, uh, but they're different things. So consecration is more of like a diet. I'm not eating rich foods. I'm restricting um, a menu for sacrificial uh, reasons. Daniel did it. Nazarite, if you heard of the Nazarenes and the Nazarite vow in the Old Testament, uh, they didn't cut their hair. Like sometimes we think about these physical things, like why would somebody not cut their hair not even eat anything from the vine and not touch anything bloody. It's just weird. It's like, why, why are these physical attributes and physical elements uh, assigned to somebody and it's supposed to somehow keep them closer to God? And, and we're gonna find out through our study tonight that it has nothing to do with all these elements and physical things you do. It has everything to do with your heart posture before the Lord. Your heart posture and where God's wanting to keep and, keep and train your heart so consecration is more of like uh, a diet of sorts. We see that in the Nazarite vow. Uh, there are many other worldly and earthly reasons to fast or to diet. We're not talking about those tonight. A lot of people, intermittent fasting right now is all the craze if you're a workout fiend, right? Intermittent fasting. Well, I'm not gonna talk about the health benefits of fasting tonight. Um, and I'm not gonna talk about the health benefits of dieting. <laughs> uh, a lot of people do that. And a lot of people are not close to God because of it. <laughs> all right, so it has nothing to do with the physical elements uh, has everything to do with your posture of your heart before the Lord through these, through these moments. So in that, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to talk about where I believe the Lord wants to take us um, in consecrating ourselves and fasting in humbling our hearts before him. If you have your Bibles or your, on your phones or your Bibles, turn there to 2 Corinthians chapter five and I'm just gonna pray as we dive into this passage. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for a love that um, humbled yourself, not only to become human, where I couldn't even imagine, imagine humbling myself as a God, to become a human, <laughs> but then to take on our sin, to endure uh, the greatest, the greatest physical pain that, that maybe any human has ever endured of suffering and, and betrayal, um, denial, where people denied you and betrayed you and then suffered at the hands of the Romans the way you did, all to just profess your love for us, Lord, and, and and restore relationship with us. Thank you for your suffering. Your word says, because the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And Lord, I just uh, ask that, that you would speak to our hearts right now. 
that whatever it is that you're asking us to surrender, whatever it is you would ask us to fast, whatever it is, however you want us to participate with you in this Lent season as a church, as you prepare our hearts for for you and your presence and all you want to do, Lord, no matter what it costs us, would we see the cross and say, man, Lord, I'm not even worthy to suffer like you are. No matter what this costs me, no matter how hard it seems, um, Lord, you suffered more. You loved far greater. Uh, Your sacrifice was more. And we just honor you and we want you to speak to our hearts. We want to. We just sang it, Lord, and now we're preaching it. We want you to have our hearts and all of our love. Um, We want our hearts not to be tied up in anything else but you, Jesus. So Lord, arrest our hearts tonight and have your way with us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 12. We're gonna start in verse 12. I'm gonna read through a lot of scripture tonight and then we're just going to touch on some different points in this passage uh, that ultimately is talking about consecration and holiness, but really at the root of it, it's talking about the love of God, the reason why we do this. Here we go, verse 12, 2 Corinthians 5, 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, brethren, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. We're gonna start right here, that last word, heart. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. If we wanna put on the screen all the points, because uh, we're gonna walk through this. It's all about the heart, verse 12. This is the preparation stage. There are a lot of people who boast in a lot of different things when it comes to religion, when it comes to relationship with God. These guys specifically, Paul talking to this church in Corinth, uh, were saying, man, sometimes you guys get wrapped up in kind of the hubbub of religion and Christianity. You don't accept, accept us because we don't look a certain way, right? He's talking about appearance. We don't come across this way. We don't have this kind of awesome speech. We don't look cool. Maybe we don't sound powerful. Uh, and you're not actually considering our hearts, we, we're presenting ourselves to you because our hearts are pure. We're, we're commending ourselves to you because our hearts before God stand pure. This starts with our heart, the preparation for the season of Lent and for what God wants to do on Palm Sunday and on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is gonna start in our hearts, in our heart posture before the Lord and in our heart posture before others, right? It's gonna, it's gonna all be about our hearts, all right? I can't emphasize that point enough. It's all about your heart, Verse 13, for if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. I love that. If you read that in the uh, Passion Translation, it says, uh, it, it actually translated like, uh, if we are, um, uh, it kind of uses this word for like being high, like intoxicated beyond belief, like in a, in a weird way. It's because of how awesome God is. <laughs> That's what it says. That's what he's pointing out. If we're like this, if we're too weird, if we're like outside of our minds, it's because of how awesome God is in the revelation of his love, all right? Or, and then he says, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. All right, if we're in the right state of mind and we're talking to you, this is for your sake. But other than that, we are, we are intoxicated with Jesus and his love and we're messed up because of it. And it's changing everything around us and it's changing us, all right? So he says that for the love of Christ compels us, verse 14, the love of Christ. Number two, our motivation. Our preparation is in the heart. This is what it's all about, and this is where it starts, but our motivation is Christ's love. We're intoxicated because of Christ's love. The reason I have anything to offer you is because Christ's love has transformed me. 
has given me new life. I can't tell you what it means to me. I can't tell you how it's changed me. It's changed every aspect of my life. And I don't know how many of you guys, everyone should have some form of a testimony that says, before Jesus, fill in the blank. We kind of actually did this with, uh, with Cuss, right? With Steve Cuss. Before Jesus, fill in the blank. After I experienced Christ's love. Here's the story. Let me show you what's changed. Let me show you the transformation. Let me tell you about how he's changed everything. So it's going to start with our hearts. It's going to be motivated by Christ's love. This, this time of, of uh, consecrating ourselves, which we're going to go into further, is going to be motivated only by Christ's love. If any of you right now are, are sitting here thinking, all right, I'm going to do Lent and I'm going to give up, you know, candy, whatever it is, like, because it's the cool thing to do, all, all this already, we've started on the wrong motive. Already we've missed the whole heart. Well, I want to do this because I want to, I want to get something from God. I'm really excited for he, for him to, to show up and do something. Let me take you to Isaiah 58 when people were fasting and hadn't eaten for a long time and ripping their clothes and saying, God, why haven't you answered us yet? And he said, because your heart's not contrite and you haven't actually walked in righteousness, the type of fast I want you to do is repent. It's not about not eating. It's not about giving up to say. It's not about maybe making a cool logo on your head with ashes, which I'm sure my son will do with his football logo or something, right? It's not about anything but Christ's love. Getting to know the heart of God a little bit more, please, Lord, let me into this place. And anything that's preventing me from that, I'm done with it. I want it out of my life. I want it out of my heart. It's motivated, has to be motivated by God's love. Verse 14, because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all have died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We're just going to go right into the gospel here, right into the gospel. Look, because of this, let me tell you about God's love. This is what he's saying. This is Josh's version. Because of God's love and because our hearts are pure, let me tell you that because Christ died for everyone, then all of us died. All of us have the opportunity to no longer be owned by or controlled by anything in this life, but only motivated by, compelled by, and controlled by Christ's love, empowered by Christ's love. So he's going back into the gospel. Christ died for everyone so that we could come into his death. Uh, And then he goes right into Rose again, the end of verse 15. Oh my gosh, the whole gospel's here. This is amazing. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that just fix the world? I don't regard you according to anything you look like or anything you say or anything you do or anything you come across to me as. I only regard you through the love of Jesus. All I see is how Jesus' love sees you. Wouldn't that transform it all? (laughs) And this is what we're coming into. This is what Christ is inviting us into in Lent and to come into his resurrection is that all of this would be transformed in us. Uh, Verse 16, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
So here we go. Starts with our heart preparation, motivated by God's love. But now what are we dedicated to? What's our mission? What's the why? Being reconciled to God. This is why Jesus did everything he did. This is why. It wasn't so that we could have a really cool and bigger home. It wasn't so that, so that we could have, I don't know, you, I can go down the list of, of the American dream and maybe the prosperity gospel. Um, it was so that we could have relationship with God. So we could know real peace, real prosperity, real love, real joy, something that nothing in this world can touch. Nothing in this world can touch. No darkness, no, no supposed and fraudulent light. This feels good, this is awesome, this is great, everything in my life is good. Okay, great, great, good, awesome. But what about when it's not? Then can that touch you? Then does that motivate, change your motivation? Then does that change your heart posture before the Lord? Jesus is doing something deeper here. He's reconciling everything to God and now that's our mission. Our mission is to be dead in Christ, motivated by the love of Christ, to bring everybody into relationship with Christ. Reconciling everything back to God. Everything is from God, he says. Everything is for God. Now we're trying to reconcile that. We're trying to bring that back together and remind everybody, guys, Jesus already paid for it. By the way, this Lent, this fasting that we're gonna go into, you're not paying anything. You're not paying penance. You're not doing time for your sin. Jesus did all the time for your sin. I grew up really religious. And I spent a lot of my heart time doing things for God and trying to get back with God and trying to get rid of sin. When Jesus is just saying, hey, how about you how about you surrender and die and, and not let sin affect you anymore? Sin is the effect. Sin is the effect. It's not the cause. It's the effect. I think sin is the cause oftentimes. And I'm like, man, I, because I did this and I did this and this, and, th- and then I sinned and it, and it caused this element in my life. It, it made me do this thing. Sin is just uh, the effect of misplaced heart, misplaced revelation. It's just the effect. Sin's already taken care of and, and, and paid for, but the, way, the reason that sin is coming up in my life is because I'm just not dead. I, 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 haven't, I haven't resonated with Christ's death and I don't know his love. And so any part of my life that hasn't come into full connection with that reality, eventually sin gives birth. Eventually, eventually that's just the effect of misplaced heart and misplaced knowledge and misplaced love because I'm trying to find that somewhere else that can't give it and eventually that gives birth to death in my life, which is sin. He set me free. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Uh, Verse 18, he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. This is what we're doing. We've got to bring people back into relationship with God's love, with his heart, with his freedom. Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. All right, so God was in Jesus Christ reconciling, bringing all the world back to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. 
Not going around and condemning people. Not going around and saying, oh, this is on you. Good luck, take care of it. (sighs) What religion does so often. (sighs) But saying, hey, you just need to encounter a greater reality. It's called my love for you and I've paid for your sin. So not even Jesus was imputing their trespasses to them, verse 19. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now Now it's our responsibility. It's our word. It's our testimony. It's our telling people and, and bringing this revelation to everybody that we know that this is the reality. You don't have to live in this. You could live in Christ's love and be set free. And this is, this is our dedication all the way through verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. This is how God pleads. For those of you who think, well, God doesn't need me. You're right in one sense. You're right. That's a humble contrite heart, but he needs us. There has to be a dedication to the gospel for you to sit back and pray or think that people are just going to come to Christ and the church is just going to rise up because we're just sitting over in the corner and God's going to do his thing. He has chosen you. The God, the sovereign of the universe, the sovereign of the universe has said, hey, Josh, I want to partner with you. I need my spirit to sit inside of a human and I will plead to people. It's not gonna be you. You're just the conduit. You're just the funnel. You're just the holder of my love. But the purer that you are, the more consecrated that you are, the more set apart that you are to me, the more brightly my love can come through and the more powerful my love can come through and transform people. So that's why we're gonna consecrate ourselves because God, Christ's love has to be purified. It has to be purely seen and felt through us. So this is why we're consecrating and fasting, all right? As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, please. This is our responsibility. Be reconciled to God. This is a plea from Paul to the church. He's saying this to the church in Corinth. Be reconciled to God. You guys have walked away from him. You guys have stopped believing the reality and the truth. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus becomes our sin literally to the degree, to the fullest degree. He wants to taste the fullness. I mean, you think about the suffering. Not only did Christ suffer everything that he suffered, but even when he was offered a painkiller, right? This, um, this gall mixed with, with uh, some sort of wine or vinegar, he denies it. Why, why would Jesus push away painkiller? You think about to the degree that Jesus took on your sin and wanted to feel it and wanted to know it because he literally became it so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. We don't have to feel it. We don't have to participate with it. We get to become his righteousness, his perfection. This is what he's offering us. This is the gospel. But here's where we get a little, here's where we get a little messed up. Verse, chapter six, verse one. We then as workers together with him, okay, this is Jesus doing the work through us, has to be this way, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He just gets done preaching the gospel to the church. This is the church, by the way. He's writing this letter to the church. 
He's not writing this to unbelievers. If anybody needs the gospel, it's the church this day and age. A refreshment in the true gospel. The church has got to come alive in the reality and the revelation of what God did and what Jesus Christ paid for and what we have in him. He's preaching this to the church. And then he says, I plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So I brought a little illustration. This is kind of how I see it. The grace of God. He just gets done sharing the gospel. And he's like, man, God is so good. God is so good. He couldn't say it any louder than he just did in the last 10, 12, 15 verses. God is so, he's everything you need. He's the nutrition of your soul. He takes away the sin. He gives you his righteousness. Like, it's so good. It's so pure. It's so beautiful. But you've started to take the grace of God for granted. You've started to miss aspects of the gospel. You've started to receive the grace of God in vain. So what happens over time is we take the grace of God, we take the pure undiluted gospel and the pure love of Christ. And we say, you know what? That's really good, Lord. That is good. It's good. I I believe it. But you know, like I just want to add a little bit more to it. Just a little bit. Like it's still organic. It's still like all natural, Lord. But I just want to add, you know, a little bit more of like my own ideas of prosperity. I still want to add a little bit more of like my own agenda in this thing. We take the gospel and before you know it, and, and here, here we just added uh, just a little bit of, it's mostly strawberries, just a little bit of sugar, a little bit of fruit pectin, and a little bit of citric acid. Like, okay, I don't know what those chemicals are, but just a little bit, just a little bit of chemical. And before you know it, it's just not satisfying enough. It's just not really nutritious enough, but it tastes good because I added some little elements that kind of make me feel good. And before you know it, all of a sudden you're like, well, but, and also Lord, I want to add a little high fructose corn syrup and, and some other corn syrup and some, again, more fruit pectin and citric acid. Just a little bit more, just a little bit just a little bit further away from the purity of the gospel, from the purity of the love of Christ, from the purity of what Christ has done. And before you know it, and you're feasting, we're feasting on this idea of Jesus, on this idea of the gospel, and it's not filling us. And we have to keep coming back to church. We have to keep coming back in a way that's like, uh, I just don't, I just need more. I need something else. Something's missing. Or we have to go somewhere else to get what's missing. Like, I, I just need more relationships. I just need more uh, conversations. I just need somebody else to pray over me again and again. And I just need, and I'm not discounting the idea of prayer. I'm not discounting the idea of, of coming together as the church to stay in the true gospel. But I'm saying when we need something apart from the, the undiluted, and purified person of Jesus Christ in your own intimate relationship with him and with others when we're all gathered around the purity of Jesus Christ, there is a filling that takes place. There is a reality of the gospel that should satisfy every ounce of our souls. But the church in America, at least to my knowledge because of my experience being in and a part of and the church in America 
I see us going further and further away. And then all of a sudden, and we don't realize this, all of a sudden, you know, man, two things of corn syrup, two things of fruit, red grape juice concentrate for color, natural flavor, all of a sudden, like, man, we got to pep it up a little more. We got to add a little bit more because we're starting to lose the reality of the gospel. We're starting to lose the power of the gospel to transform lives. So we got to keep people coming. We got to keep something going. And we're selling, we're selling a fake gospel. We're out there peddling the gospel and telling people we're Christians and telling people we've received something and they're tasting like, man, that was really fun. But it doesn't last long, right? The sugar high. And before you know it, and you don't even know it, you don't even know it. You don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. This is the subtlety of Satan. This is the deceiver. All of a sudden, we're snacking on Pop-Tarts and we're like, why doesn't this satisfy? Why do I need to eat something every 10 minutes? Why doesn't this nourish my body? Why am I getting pimples? And why am I getting diabetes? And why, and why? you think about it. Think about it, church. And I'm saying that in a spiritual tone because before you know it, you're sitting here with your strawberry push pop and you're like, oh God, it's so good. It's so good. But there is not one element of the real thing in here. There is not one element. It's sugar, it's glucose, it's buffered lactic acid, it's artificial flavors and red number 40 but it has pictures of strawberries all over it. Come on, church. We're getting to that place and the Lord said, come back. Come back to the purity. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted, the grace that I've given you. I came to this earth and paid for all of your sin and did everything that I did for you because I love you. I just love you. That's why I created Adam and Eve in the garden. I didn't need to get stuff done. <laughs> I just wanted to walk with somebody. I just wanted intimacy and relationship. I wanted to love somebody and feel that love back from somebody who had free will to do so. And the reality is, is you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and eat from the tree of life at the same time. You can't eat from innocence and purity and eat from everything else at the same time. It doesn't work. You're taking my grace for granted. But the reality is, church, I don't want this to come across condemning because it's not. It's a way that the devil deceives us and my kid is sitting over here licking a push pop thinking he's eating. I mean, they're telling me, my kids are telling me, but, but daddy, I ate, I ate whatever they're called, fruit snacks today. I had my fruit. I ate push pop and that's what we think. They really believe it. And all of a sudden, when my kids go back to eat strawberries, there's a distaste for them. The real thing isn't as good. It, it's my, I've grown a taste in my soul for something that's artificial because what you feed yourself with is what you give yourself an appetite for. It's how it works. It's how it works, and so that's why we're going into Lent. That's why we're going into fasting, because Lord, I need new taste buds. I need a fresh 
baptism and your love because I'm missing it. I've missed it. I need more of you. I haven't wept in a long time. I haven't felt you in a long time. I haven't been filled with you to a degree where I didn't need anything else. I didn't need one other thing. There's not one other thing in this life that I'd say, you know what, I kind of really need that right now. I just need that. Nothing but Jesus and his love for me. He's bringing us back to that place. It's not a place of condemnation where we've come to. It was a place of deception where we've been drawn to because the enemy's good. He's good. He's really good at what he does. He's just the, the father of lies. He's just the deceiver. And we end up eating from what he says is the real thing. And we slowly, slowly nurture ourselves away from the reality of just the truth of the gospel and the purity of Jesus. Jesus, don't take his grace for granted. Don't receive this grace in vain. In vain. So that's our desperation. Lord, where am I receiving your grace in vain? Where is it not really getting through? Where is my heart a little hard or my my revelation uh, just not thorough in your love for me? Show me some of those places where I'm taking your grace for granted. This is the desperate heart cry. And also in our desperation, I'm gonna read through to verse 12. Behold, now is the accepted time, or actually verse two, sorry, I'm gonna start in verse two. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Hallelujah. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we, we transform. Today, that word salvation, made whole, made complete, filled, healed, united with Jesus. We are coming into this salvation. Today is this day, guys. We give no offense in anything, not in our ministry, may not be blamed. Verse four, but in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fasting. Interesting, without eating or drinking possibly. By purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, in kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. I mean, he just got done going through the gospel. Now he's going through a list of what the gospel has cost him so that he could get the love out. Man, what a rebuke to us. Americans a lot of times. Like, what has the gospel costed you recently? What have you been willing to lay down to say, man, Lord, this message has got to get out. This fire's got to get out. This love's got to get purified. Maybe even in myself, like the gospel isn't, it's not full in me. It's not resonating. This stuff that Josh is saying, I, I haven't experienced. So what would it take? These guys said all of these things by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere, genuine love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor and evil report, by good reports and deceivers yet true as unknown yet well-known as dying and yet behold we live as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us. You are restricted by your own affections. He's saying the reason you don't accept us, the reason you don't accept this message is because your heart's somewhere else. It's not in Jesus. You think it might be in Jesus. You think you're doing the right thing. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you're not 
willing to give up everything for Jesus, if you're not willing to say, Jesus, nothing has my heart but you, not one thing has my affections but you, then we're off from the gospel. We've received God's grace in vain. That's a, that's a heavy word. You're restricted by your own affections. You're restricted by the desires of your heart because they're not fully for me. Your heart, the house of your heart, is sharing rooms with some other stuff than me. Your affections, your desires, the longing in your heart, it wants me too, but it doesn't want only me. It hasn't experienced only me. There's some other things that if I were to take them away, you would deny me. You would say this wasn't worth it. If I touched that thing in your life, and trust me, we just sang it tonight, Lord, bring the fire, bring the testing. If I touch that thing in your life, and you curse me, and you turn around and say, yeah, this isn't worth it anymore, I'm showing you where the affections of your heart were misplaced. I'm showing you the things in your life that I didn't have fully surrendered to my love. Those things you thought you had to get love from somewhere else. You had to get affirmation from somewhere else. We are restricted by our own affections. Verse 12, this is also our desperation. This is why we're going after this. But verse 16, here we go. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God. He's saying this to a church. It actually is translated not you are, but we are the temple of the living God. This is where God wants to sit and manifest his presence, all the fullness of his love and purity and change the world around us. Right here, we are the temple. We bring together, we are being built together as living stones, the Bible says, into this temple, into this place where God someday, when his bride is pure and spotless and wrinkle-free, he is gonna come back and he is gonna, he is gonna take this temple over with the fullness of his presence. This is, what we're, this is what we're yearning for, is that God's presence would emanate through us, would resonate in us, would transform the world around us. We want you, God. We want you, God. And this is his temple, and he's reminding us. He's reminding us. Here in verse 16, that we are the place where God wants to be with. We are the place God wants to be in. We are the ones God's chosen. But our loyalties are divided. He says, what, what partnership has, and he names like six things, darkness with light, righteousness with unrighteousness. It's like your loyalties are divided. What, what in your life, where are your loyalties divided between all in for me and all I want is you to reside in this temple? Because Jesus doesn't share room with anything. He's a jealous lover. Not one of you married couples in here would share room if your spouse wanted to bring somebody else in. Let's be honest. And yet God's going after that aspect of our hearts. Going after that aspect of our hearts. 
He said, I'm not going to share room, but I want you. I want you, and I want you, and I want you, but I can't come in if there's anything that's keeping me out. If there's any darkness, if there's any way that you've partnered with anything that's a fake gospel, where I don't have all of your heart and all of your love. His holiness in our temple, in our being together, is his mission. And so he's calling us into this place of consecration, of saying, man, we gotta clean up the temple. We gotta clean up the places where God's not really welcome, or we wanna share love. Like, God, I love you, but like, I also love. God, my, my affections are on you, but they're also on. So just don't touch this, but you can have this. Just don't, please don't touch this. He says, oh man, look at this promise. So we go from our desperations right into our inspiration. We are the temple of God that he chose us to reside in. And in verse 17, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch anything that's unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Listen to these promises. What else do we want in life? If you can read this list that God says, I will dwell with you and I wanna walk with you and I will be your God and you'll be my people and I will receive you and I will be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters and all of the elements of beauty that come with that, all of the rewards and consequences of those realities are yours. All of it is yours. What part of that does not light your heart because you're like, well, yeah, that's good, Lord, but, but. If there's a butt in there, like, can I also still have my, can I also still, please don't. If all of those promises, because this is the invitation, verse one of chapter seven, therefore having all of these promises that I just listed that are so incredible that we'd even be offered those promises, sinners, Sinners made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ were offered these promises. He says, those of you who were my enemies now made my friends. You read the gospel. And were offered these promises. And he says, therefore, having these promises, beloved. He would put that word in there. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. We've got some responsibility. Here's the invitation. It's time to clean house. It's time to prep the house. Well, can't God just do it if he wants to? God, here I am. Just do whatever you want. He can. He can. You get to choose. You can spend 40 days fasting and saying, Lord, here's my heart, I'll do anything. Or you can spend 40 years in the wilderness. God will get his way because he loves you. And his love is so fiery. In the end, you will be his. But he wants to give you the easy way. He wants to give you the way of love and freedom. He wants to give you the way where you're surrendered and you step into his love and say, Lord, I... I'll let go. I don't want anything. That's not you. I'm coming into your freedom. Anything. He sa- it says, let us cleanse ourselves from anything filthy of the flesh and the spirit. 
Is there anything coming into your ears, your eyes, your nose, your mouth, or your hands, the flesh, five senses, that is preaching a false gospel to you or leading you away from the love of Christ, leading you away from the realities of God's love for you and the truth of the gospel? Here's our flesh. But then he also says, and spirit. The filthiness in our spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We've got to go after the flesh, so we're going to fast. Maybe we're going to fast. I tell you this, if you go without eating or eating and drinking for any amount of time, it hurts. It's tough. There are, there are leaders, there are people in this room who have done 10, 20, 40 days of fasting on just water, some of those long amounts of time on, on no water or food. And, and I've experienced some of those fasts myself and I come out on the other side broken and softened, my heart softened. And my taste buds redone. Because I didn't realize, I didn't realize that I had adapted to this junk that I'd been eating and physically and spiritually. And then I come back in after not eating for a long time. And, and that's why I say consecration is one thing and fasting is one thing. If you're not gonna eat anything, you're gonna readjust your taste buds. But if your heart is consecrated and you're saying, Lord, I'm going to push away my flesh to engage my spirit, to engage you, to engage where I have intimacy with you, uh, God's going to fill both of these places. He's going to readjust both of those places. Because a lot of the intake to our soul and our spirit comes through our flesh. What thing have you received in your spirit that you haven't received through your flesh? The Holy Spirit works that way. We are one entity, spirit, soul, and body. And all of those entities have to be cleansed to receive the fullness of what God has for us. But he says also cleansing, cleansing our spirit. What is affecting that element of your heart? What things are affecting that element of your heart that doesn't have the fullness of Jesus' affection? We've got we've to pray. The spirit. This is where we're going to pray. This is where we're going to ask God to reveal things to us. And maybe during this time of Lent and season of fasting and prayer, um, God might ask you to fast something, give up some food, give up uh, some food and water for different times. I don't know what God's going to lead you to do. Specifically, you're gonna, we're going to pray and ask, Lord, where do you want me to fast? Where do you want me to consecrate? Maybe God's just going to have you do, I mean, consecration. Maybe he's going to have you go and, and ask forgiveness of that person that, where there's been unreconciliation for 20 years. And that's going to be your fast. That's going to be your consecration. This is where the Lord couldn't come through. Because wherever you haven't forgiven your brother, my father won't forgive you, Jesus said. So maybe there's some unforgiveness. Maybe there's somewhere where a relationship isn't reconciled. Maybe there's somebody you hurt in your past or you took advantage of. The first person, and I think the only person that Jesus said salvation has come to this man, was a little money-stealing tax robber. You remember his name? And what happened? Jesus came into his home. This is perfect. We don't know what Jesus said because it's not about what Jesus said. It's about Jesus coming into your home. <laughs> it's not about what's said. It's not about you hearing a word. It's about you meeting the heart of Christ and having intimacy with him. So Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' home. And the first thing that happens when Jesus leaves is Zacchaeus says, I'm going to repay everybody I've stolen from four times. And Jesus says, this is salvation. This is salvation. Salvation has come to this house. The Pharisees could never get there. All the people with all the Bible knowledge, 
all the religious leaders. They could never repent. They could never show mercy, forgiveness. They didn't have a real heart for their parents. Jesus called them out on the way they didn't take care of their parents and justified the way they spent their money. I don't know how God's gonna work on our hearts during this 40 days, but I'm so expectant that God's gonna wreck me and mold me and purify me. I'm gonna read these Psalms in closing. No, we're a little over here. Psalm 63, listen to this. Would this be our prayer? You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I beheld your power and glory. And because your love is better than life itself. If you hear nothing else from me tonight, hear that phrase. Because your love is better than life itself. My lips will glorify you and praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you're my helper. I sing in the shadows of your wings and I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Oh, my soul longs for you, Lord. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing at all. Can you really say that? Lord, I love you. I worship you. Thanks for the gospel, but this is kind of lacking. I kind of feel lost or broken or confused here. And that's okay to come with that heart. Because the Lord's going to show you where his love is going to mend all of that and heal all of that and meet you there. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Notice it has nothing to do with eating from the green pastures because he already satisfied me. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. I'm not drinking from the waters. I'm already satisfied in he who is the living water. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He alone refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This is all for the glory of God. This is all for the name of Jesus Christ. Because he loves us, he invites us into this place with him. So, with that reality, here's, here's what I want us to do. Um, here's some practical steps as we go into this season of consecration and Lent. Pray about joining us. Pray about joining us, Lord. Um, what would you have me do? Lord, reveal to me some affections of my heart that aren't fully placed in you and your love. Um, number two, this is all about the heart. It is not about what you can accomplish. It's not about how long you can fast or what things you can get rid of. We've already talked about that. So remember, this is all about the heart. So the Lord will show you what type of fast or consecration to do. He'll tell you. So can we start with that prayer? And then, and then start small. Um, some of you who are getting really ambitious and you're like, oh man, there's so much sin in here. There's so much. I'm just gonna fast for 40 days and no food or water. Now, if the Lord tells you to do that, he'll give you the grace for it. <laughs> um, but I've been kind of that guy. I'm like, all in or all out. Rah! Like I'm that kind of dude. 
Uh, and sometimes you can like do a fast or do something out of pure will power, not out of the power of the spirit through the love of Christ. And so I'm just, I'm just warning in that, like let God lead you. Let the humility of your heart say, God, whatever you want to do. Um, uh, when it comes to fasting, uh, I'm not a doctor. We can, we can consult you on some elements of fasting if you're gonna do a longer fast or some different things like that. Um, and there's some, some different things we can point you to as far as fasting if you're gonna do a long water fast or if you're gonna do a no food or water for a, a long amount of time. Um, I think uh, from, my, from my experiences and from medical scenarios, you, you can't do more than five to 10 days depending on your climate without water. Uh, you can't do more than like 100 days without food. You can go a long time without food. It's pretty cool. But we're not doctors, so please consult a doctor or please talk to us about uh, your fast if you're a little concerned or if you're a little more radical like me. You just want to go, go for it. Um, let's, let's pray about what the Lord would have us do. And remember in this, uh, there's no judgment or condemnation. We're not telling each other what we're doing. Uh, we would like you to go online and let us know that you're participating with the fast. So you can uh, shine, sign up at shinechurch.life or slash fast, or you can um, uh, tap into the little code on the back of your chair there because we want to do this as a church and we want to be praying for each other. Uh, prayer is crucial. When Jesus taught on fasting and he said that we would fast, because he says when you fast, he doesn't say if you fast. And Jesus said that many times, all right? Because there's going to be a constant place of keeping our hearts humble before the Lord. Um, he says, um, I forgot my, my, uh, thought on that, um, prayer and fasting. Anyway, that'll come back to me. What? When you, when you fast, um, oh, oh, well, he's talking to the, he's talking to the disciples about this demon coming out, right? That they couldn't cast out and, uh, they didn't have the faith for it. And he says, you have little faith, you perverted generation. So in other words, like faith comes through prayer, I believe, and perversion comes out in the sense of perversion meaning twisting of our thinking, twisting of our understanding, where our love isn't fully caught up in Jesus's love, comes out through fasting. It's a, it's a way that God gave us to get our hearts right before the Lord. Um, but there's no judgment or condemnation on what you choose to do, on how you choose to do it. Do your best with a pure heart as an offering to the Lord. Lord, I want to come before you with clean hands and a pure heart, because honestly, that's the only ones who can, <laughs> his word says. So we're, we're getting the temple ready. Intimacy, last of all, intimacy with Jesus and affection for Jesus, motivated by the love of Jesus, is our aim here, okay? So consider um, reducing or replacing anything that would get in the way of that agenda. Uh, do we have questions? We are going to start on Ash Wednesday, which is this Wednesday. Ash Wednesday to Palm Sunday is um, kind of the typical timeline for that. So just inviting you guys into that place. Uh, over the next three or four days, here's my invitation Take these thoughts, take this, take this word to heart and pray. God, uh, what would you have me do? Where's my heart? Where, where are you in my heart? Where are my affections misplaced? And then would he give us a plan going into Ash Wednesday? Here's where I, I want you to consecrate yourself to me, to, to um, dedicate yourself to me. All right? Any last comments before we close in prayer? Yes. Um, just one other thing about if you sign up on that, we are going to periodically, from a teaching team standpoint, send you texts, oh, yeah. if you choose that, of just encouragement. Because I know sometimes as you go through fasting, uh, it's, it's really beneficial to get a key scripture or get a word of encouragement that just kind of pushes you through, especially during those hard times. Yeah, perfect. So be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, your word, your love sets us free, Lord. Um, set us free. 
prepare this temple, this place, these hearts for yourself, Lord, that we would be a resting place for you where your power would emanate through us uh, and your love would emanate through us, transforming lives around us. And may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Lord, and we give this all to you and we surrender it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.